0: You're listening to a DM podcast. G'day, pod lovers, podcasters, and welcome to Behind the Podcast, the podcast that opens the studio doors and takes a peek behind the microphone to tell you The listener, the producer, the creator, the aficionado, what's happening in the podverse. I'm Jules, and with me, as always, is Stocks. Hello. And together, we'll bring you the industry news, trends, business insights for reviews and recommendations in the world of podcasting. From the Australian Podcast Awards and DM Podcasts, let's
1: get into it. Okay, so we're going with a slightly different format here for season three. And what we want to kick off with is just recent news from a podcast world. So Jules, we'll start off with a softball for you. Mark Maron, your boy, is doing a live show in London. Yeah, absolutely. This is a seminal podcast for me and my foray into the
0: world of, of podcasting. I also had a little dalliance as a stand up comedian at one stage. It didn't last very long, but there's plenty of footage of it online if you ever want to search for that. Um, I do remember your <laughs> first gig. It was um, you were pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. The light that shined twice as bright. Sean half as long, if that's an expression. I think it is. I think I remember hearing something like that. Anyway, when I was doing that, part of the inspiration, I suppose, and, and the the boost that I needed to get up there was Mark Maron's show. WTF, he was interviewing comedians at the time, and you know that sort of space stand-up comedy had gone through a bit of a kind of lull and had then been picking up a bit of steam again plus like this new format which he could utilize. He'd been in this in the stand-up world for just, you know, decades, ups and downs and everything in between. And this was a chance for him to kind of just have a talk to other comedians and find out about their story, their origin story, how they got to where they are, everything that they had to overcome over the way. You know, gossip from inside the circles, and famously, you know, such tropes like finding out who are you guys and all these kind of things. And he'd be able to connect with them about the circuit. You know, he'd been to every comedy store, he'd been across the country. He just had an encyclopedic knowledge of comedy as well, on top of you know a variety of other things. I think stand-up comedians have a lot of time where they just spend kind of in hotels and whatever, and so they pick up hobbies. They Read a lot. They watch a lot of TV, so they've got a pretty wide breadth of conversation. And that drug habits too. That. Yeah, plenty of drug habits. So probably plenty of nights, you know, around the plate and around the table, yeah. just absolutely running your mouth for hours and on on end, solving problems and causing more ones. But yeah, so one of the things as that show began to get um, bigger and bigger, they started to do audience live shows and he had a very devoted audience. They would come wearing t-shirts that they'd made of his cats. They would bring him baked goods. They would have all of these kind of little signifiers from the show to show that they were a true fan. And he was, you know, more than happy to participate with them. He loved it. And, you know, just it grew in that regard. And everyone kind of knew the signals when he would call out something, they would, yeah, they would respond. It was this whole kind of, yeah, just incredible participation event. So he is also famously, you know, doesn't get into traveling too much and certainly doesn't want to come to Australia too often. I think he's been out here once and he did do a live show out here and had the likes of like Greg Fleet on, I think Will Anderson at the time, um, a few others like that. But yeah, it looks like he's moving his, his live show to London. So he's traveling across to the UK and listeners of Marin will know that he has formed a bit of a soft spot for Ireland in particular over there.
1: Um, but yeah, he's doing these first ones in London. So yeah, we'll see how that goes, hey, how he's received. If you want to sign that the world's getting back to normal, Marin traveling overseas to do a live show is a pretty good yeah, barometer of that. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting that two of the OGs of this long-form podcasting are stand-up comedians in him and Rogan. I dive back into both of them every once in a while. I often forget, but it's almost a conscious thing. Oh, better check in what's going on there. Yeah, I listened to Marin's one recently with Sam Rockwell. It was fantastic. And it just I remember why you go going for it as well. He's
0: able to pull so much from them. But, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, as it grows in popularity. I think, you know, people, when they first started going on it, the walls were down a little bit, you know. They didn't realize how much this was going to be heard. They would say things that they probably wouldn't usually say. So, it was a bit more candid and you got to yes. know the people. Now, I think it's probably part of the press tour a bit more. And so, like... Those walls are slightly back up and they're a bit more packaged, but he's still got the ability to kind of take him out of that for a moment or two throughout the show. He's so probably
1: the best out of it, but it is where these sort of Conan O'Brien, um, yeah. Tonight Show interview junkets all have gone to if you really want to open up. I mean, I don't necessarily have time to... Well, I know I don't have time anymore to listen to every Marin episode or, God forbid, a few, few Rogans back to back. It's just too long. There's too much out there which does sort of tie into what we want to talk about next. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it seems statistically that the length of podcast shows are getting a bit shorter anyway. Yeah, look, so podcast apps are supposed to be getting shorter. The average is supposed to be about 36 minutes. This is based on a UK company, Raphonic. Uh, recently released data. So, their mission, the mission, is to be the independent, reliable source of truth for all kinds of data in the podcast industry, which is a pretty ambitious thing, seeing as, you know, we can't even get a reliable chart or anything. Yeah, there's a lot of closed doors. and Yeah. But look, apparently they've got data from up to just over 2.6 million podcasts. Uh, What their findings were was basically long podcast episodes are becoming less common every year. The average top-performing podcast releases a 37-minute episode every five days. So, that's really saying that that twice a week is the sweet spot. And you're seeing, uh, just look around at people like, I guess, uh, uh, in Australia, you've got a Dylan Buckley, a Shameless, people like that. They're releasing every, you know, two a week. Yeah. Um, And the top history podcasts have the longest delay between new episodes, which just stacks up. I mean, you research. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still waiting for the next Dan Carlin episode. Can't go through his back catalogue forever. No, well, at five hours an episode, I mean, you can certainly chew on one for a while. Yeah, and the amount of research needs to go into that. And then fiction podcasts should record longer episodes to attract a large audience. Not sure about that data, that last piece of data, but... Let's
0: see, I think it's funny. I mean, when you've got something like podcasting which comes out you've got your Marins and joe rogan and, and whoever else who do do these long form things, that's you know what people have become a fan of the genre here and emulate when they want to start their own podcast, so I mean you know you mm-hmm. and I, the first ones that we did were probably six hours long, yeah, but you know that was needed to be edited down the magic with all of the ums and, ahs and all of that yeah. stuff anyway, but yeah, yeah, I mean you see that and then you do it and and I think you know with with the amount of shows that come out the listeners' amount of time that they can spend, as you said, just diminishes. I mean, there's that much more content, so you're really fighting for those ear holes. Mm. Uh, And so, what you're making needs to be pretty compelling pretty quickly to keep them on board and keep them coming back.
1: Yeah, the fiction one's interesting because fiction podcasts tend to be short series or series. Mm. And so, to make the episodes longer to attract large audiences seems counterintuitive to me because... With these fiction ones, I'm much more likely to do the 20 minute, 29-minute one over the 55-minute one. Yeah. It's just simple logic there of time and convenience, much more likely to put the toe in the water there. So, look, I find that's quite an interesting data point. I will drill down on it further and, and see what else there is out there. But look, as with a lot of this podcast data, it's just the sample sizes and the actual data you're getting is... Not the greatest. It's still far behind. We need the Moneyball revolution here in podcasting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, Spotify do their end of year uh, listening thing, which is primarily, you know, a music uh, marketing marketing tool, the rap, Yeah. yeah. And I think some things like that where you really kind of get a bit of a look into the, what people are listening to and start to see their habits and, you know, promote it that way. I mean, there's some interesting things that can be done there just from a, a consumer-facing point of view, but certainly from a creative-facing point of view
1: and what we're able to get to see and analyze. It'll be great to see that open up a lot more. Definitely. Now, speaking of long-form content, Spotify Video is being used to share pirate movies. Yeah, so this is really interesting. I mean, Spotify has been sort of playing
0: around with video and you, if you listen to any music, you can see little clips from the from the video clip that show up on there that just play in loop. Uh, there's a few sporting podcasts and other ones which have been using their video tool in which are in beta at the moment. So there's, as a diehard uh, 76ers fan, there's one called The Rights to Ricky Sanchez which yeah. releases their podcast you
1: know, through video as well on the player. The, the best one I've seen is Diary of a CEO. Mm-hmm. It's a British podcast. Check it out. It's really good. Um, Very good long-form interviews. Also does sort of 10-minute pearls of wisdom, I guess, as well. But that's all of this for Spotify is using their Anchor FM platform, which is Anchor FM they bought a couple years ago. And that has the ability to do two things that are kind of unique. One is that you're able to embed Spotify songs into your podcast using the music rights that Spotify has. And so, if someone is a premium user of Spotify, then they will get the full song. If they're not a premium user, they just get the short version of it. And then the other thing now is this is how you can get your video onto Spotify. So, people are using this Anchor FM platform and uploading videos of full feature-length films. I think it's been stuff like Minions, The Rise of Gru, Pinocchio, and Mean Girls. So, it's not just the... uh, pixar catalog that's going up there it's also classics like mean girls with services like tiktok
0: where people are able to kind of just post these hacks and suddenly have them take off it doesn't take long for these things to be uncovered and and be exploited for a while until probably inevitably they get shut
1: down but for a while hey i've got to watch mean girls again oh man i watched it on the plane recently coming back it really holds up so good Um, as an aside, look, Spotify is having a Netflix limited series created about them and it's coming out next month. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, it's looking at the rise of Daniel Ek, the CEO of, of Spotify, plus his other investors and how they got the, the story up and going.
1: Swedish production, right? Swedish so production. Not in English?
0: Not in English. So, you're going to have to, unlike Spotify, you're going to have to use your eyes on this one and actually read what's on the screen. And um, he couldn't have uh, Brad Pitt cast a play then? Absolutely not. I think that's probably a big misstep from his part, but maybe it speaks to the authenticity of the show yeah. and helps you get past. The, the haters who might say that it's just a glorified promotional tool But look, the preview's out The show's coming
1: out October 13 It looks pretty cool It looks nice and dark and Swedish So It does, it does Look, it's an adaption of the Spotify Untold Which was also known as Spotify Play how the CEO and founder of Daniel Ek beat Apple, Google and Amazon in the race for audio dominance. So it was done by a Swedish investigative tech journalist, Sven Carlson, and another guy, Jonas, I'm not even going to have a go at that last name, we'll put it in the show notes, who wrote about the rise of Spotify. Now, even though it's investigative journalist, based on that title, it sounds like it's very pro-Spotify. So I don't think we're going to see Daniel Ek doing coke with underage girls, a la the social network. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, <laughs> not that he would. Season um, two could be the rise and the fall. Yeah.
0: So, that'll do us for the news around. I think we've covered
1: everything stocks. Come back with a deep dive for the week. So, this episode, we're going to deep dive into two podcasts which have been in the news for similar reasons over the past three to four weeks. That is the Serial Podcast and the Teacher's Pet Podcast. Yeah, the serial podcast, obviously, people
0: will well and truly know that one. And we've had guests on our shows and basically everyone who recommends shows has talked about this one as being the one that, you know, got them started or got them interested in the in the format.
1: It is one of the original kind of true crime podcasts. It came out in October of twenty fourteen and Sarah Koenig, who has direct line lineage to Ira Glass and was a Vis American Life reporter, which is one of the OG podcasts of my life at least. Was a investigative journalist, and I guess, protagonist for it?
0: Yeah, it was really unique in its storytelling and kind of broke down, I guess, like in cinema and whatever you say, it broke down the fourth wall. But it brought the the actual show host into the story more and they became a part of it. And it was famous for just doing little things like, you know, the producer and the, and the writer and, and whoever would be sitting in a car on the way to the thing that they were going to go and investigate, talking about what they were going to do. So it was really talking about the mechanics behind making a show as well.
1: Whilst making the show. Yeah, so it's very much in that this American life style of show but instead of it being a 20 minute segment or a singular episode it was an entire series and there'd never been anything like this really that i'd ever heard it's had th- over 340 million downloads around the world but i remember this just capturing the zeitgeist completely in terms of just everyone was talking about it and it was it was such a moment in podcasting where people have you seen this and each drop and let's talk about it it was water cooler stuff like game of thrones level
0: yeah absolutely and it was you know really at the early stages of of social media. I mean, certainly, you know, Facebook and things like that. Um, so, it really gave something for people to post about and recommend. And, you know, if you're having it drop on those weekly ones, they were really long episodes they could get you through. You might listen to it, you know, while you go to and from work or going for a walk or whatever. Um, and they would just leave the big suspenseful hook at the end. And so, it just kind of ran through and just built up steam as it went along and gained more and more listeners. Was there
1: a recap that you were listening to as well?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's part of the thing. It, it sort of just birthed these other shows, which were shows about the shows. There was one that I was listening to because I was obsessed with it called Writers on on Serial. And it was a bunch of old crime journalists who, you know, in in America were going around and doing all these true crime stories for the papers and, and what have you who themselves were just so thrilled to hear something like this and their profession be brought into this kind of you know, new format and get the exposure that it was. So, they were just drooling over this thing every week. And so, it became this kind of you know, industry around it mm-hmm. that it supported and,
1: and allowed you know, all of these other shows and great content to be born as well. And that was where podcasting was really coming of age because that was peak, what was considered peak prestige tv when you had breaking bad and mad men going on the every sunday night in the u.s and you had people like alan seppenwall and andy greenwald recapping these shows and you consume the content and then you jump straight onto these websites and start doing it. And so, they'll have podcasts having a similar thing where the podcast recapping a podcast was very meta. Yeah. But also, those recaps have gone. If I want to get a recap on something, it's YouTube or it's a podcast now. Yeah. And you know, Alan seppel has got a podcast now. He doesn't even write. Yeah,
0: that's right. Most of these people have retired their fingers and just moved to the vocal cords. <laughs> But it was, you know, it was amazing. And I think it started just to build that audience as it went through. And, you know, obviously the expectation because everyone's been brought up on, you know, films, books, TV, whatever, that there would be some kind of resolution at the end of it. For me, that was probably something that, you know, I found a little bit disappointing in the, in the way that it finished.
1: Yeah. And look, I think that's something we can touch on. When we talk about Teachers Pet as well. But it was, I did have a business partner of mine at the time. Was it just a natural born contrarian? And I think it was maybe eight. Eight episodes in sort of we're all chatting, Oh, do you hear the latest episode? He goes, nah, I'm kind of out on it and going, Oh, here he goes. But he was right. Yeah. It was sort of it does does run out of steam, particularly once it gets to the point where the only resolution is gonna be if the case is reopened. And that means you're going into the legal system. And we all know that's just years, and it has been years. It's been uh, twenty fourteen, now we're sitting here in twenty twenty two and there's actually some resolution. Well that's it,
0: and this is how it's come back onto our radar. And in the last, you know, two weeks, it's been reported that uh, Anand Sayed has been released. Uh, he's been let out of jail.
1: Yeah, and it was really interesting the way it was announced. And then Serial, so Sarah basically jumped on and did an Adnan is out episode, which went out on the Serial feed. But then also New York Times as well. Serial was originally an NPR CoPro and then became serial company for subsequent seasons and then was bought by the New York Times so they also dropped on the New York Times daily feed at the same time the same episode it was hilarious just hearing her voice as well again after
0: kind of all of this time and and you know shows have been released since then and serials and mm. had a few seasons that they've done and tried different things as well yes but i'd sort of dropped off but hearing that voice and that cadence and that way of talking and just that very s- specific affect that they had that then you just started to hear being mirrored throughout culture and everything and you know if you watch only murders in the building they just Tina Fey's podcast empire person there just does it absolutely so well mm. and has the whole little group of people who mm. all speak in that exact same way and look the same. Mm. <laughs> so it's just it- awesome to hear that again and just see what, what's spawned from that.
1: If you're going to listen to one, I'd listen to the Adnan is out on the serial feed because piling onto what you're saying, what I loved was at the very beginning was the MailChimp ad. Yeah. Where it's the MailChimp. A little kid saying that. And that just took me straight back. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, and that's, look, a nice little segue to, I guess, something we want to talk about. I mean, we've also got to talk about Teacher's Pet. Are these two of the all-time deals ever for sponsors? I mean, MailChimp and Harvey Norman got in at a fixed rate, none of this sort of modern thing where you're paying per impression and basically got in on these sweetheart deals where you're talking about 340 million people have heard that MailChimp ad. And then Harvey Norman with Teacher's Pet, you've got there's different numbers, but we're talking about maybe sixty million people have heard this Harvey Norman ad and saying that they support true crime. I mean, this has gotta be you imagine being the guy who booked that. Absolutely. And uh, you know, just when you thought you didn't need to hear any more Harvey
0: Norman ads, they slide in and they just I don't know, they can pick they can pick the way to broadcast, I suppose, their message and
1: Yeah, I'd say that the serial ads were more memorable yeah. than the Harvey <laughs> Norman ones in terms of the creative concept. And look, I don't could not find anywhere the value of the serial MailChimp deal. But to give you an idea, Serial at halfway through and to the end of actually for the entire first season of Serial, they were asking about a call to action at the end of every episode to make a donation so that they could do another season of yeah. it. Yeah. So they couldn't have got that much money from MailChimp for that first
0: season. No, I mean, it was unbelievable when that was happening because you sort of had to you had to marry the scale of the show and just how popular it had become with this kind of message at the end asking for donations to keep it going. It was bizarre. So,
1: should we talk about Teacher's Pet? Yeah, absolutely. So, it came out in May 2018, Daboo. So, this was really the iconic Australian podcast. So, this was released on the Wooshka platform and Rob Lowenthal from Wushka, he was the founder of that company. He We had a meeting with him because we were talking about moving our podcast network to his platform and he said mate i've got this podcast coming and it's about this guy twins northern beaches new Town jets wife disappeared bike he's involved this and this i think it's going to be something and well he he was right but i don't (laughs) think he imagined what it was going to be look this became a global phenomenon and this is the exact opposite really it's the 180 of what we had with Adnan being released this has ended up with someone being put behind bars
0: yeah i think this is kind of what we found so interesting i mean you know the fact that adnan has been released from jail and this specific show was able to lock up so i mean this is ultimately suppose a- I guess would be the dream of doing a true crime podcast is that you either solve something or you release someone who's been wrongly accused of something so yes you can imagine for the past you know decade or however long arnaud has been in there how much he would just if indeed he is innocent it would just be so maddening yeah and then suddenly someone comes along and decides that they want to do a little story on on you yes and you'd Probably be thinking, cool, what's it going to be on? Is it going to be on 60 Minutes? Is it going to be on whatever? And they say, no, no, it's going to be on a podcast. And you'd think, ah, oh, fuck, well, Great, Yeah. sure. Take as much time as my as you want. I'm going to have a lot of it, so you know what, it's all yours. And yeah, and but ultimately, it kind of paid off, and and that was one of the downfalls of the end of the show. We didn't get that result, but it did come many years later, and it, and yes. it certainly brought it back into the limelight.
1: Yeah, I mean, the similarities of the show is both shows came out. They were talking about a true crime situation. They did both go break down the fourth wall, as you say, and they both got the audience involved at a certain point. Communities built. So I remember there's a Facebook group, there's a teacher's pet Facebook group, and this sh- momentum started to build where the audience starts tipping off, listeners start tipping off Headley Thomas, who was the journalist behind, award-winning journalist behind the Teacher's Pet podcast. And he had a similar thing with Serial as well, where they're starting to tip off, oh, you should try to this person, or have you heard of this, or should look over here, or do that. So then these shows grain this extra momentum. Mm. And then you've got all this conversation, like you were saying with the recapping, but you're also getting these communities building around it. So they do just suddenly start to snowball. Yeah, the and rise of hit- the internet sleuth. Yeah, so both do that, and then they both obviously run out of steam when it got to a legal situation with Headley's case and the teacher's pet. He wasn't allowed to speak at all during the case. And it was very interesting that the podcast had to be pulled down because of the case. So in April 2019, all episodes were taken down because the content was deemed that it could potentially obstruct Dawson's right to a fair trial. So the teacher's trial podcast was two other journalists covering the trial and what happened every day, but had nothing to do with Headley. Uh, interestingly, The Teacher's Pet is going to be re-released over eight weeks with a new episode out each Saturday and Wednesday will we'll be the original series, but with improvements to it to include changes and following the, the week's verdict. So that was the one thing. I mean, I guess this is where these two podcasts differ is Sarah kind of came from a background as an audio first journalist from... This American Life. So, the production was flawless. Mm. Headley was a print journalist whose mate Rob happened to own a podcast platform in Wooshka and said to him, hey, mate, why don't you do this as a podcast as well? So, he did that outside of... Uh, the newspaper where he was working, which has been a boon for him because there's a TV show coming. Yeah, there's, oh, He's got all the rights to it. But it also meant that he was sitting there with a little Zoom recorder recording into that and wasn't didn't have the... Not that it's badly structured, it's just that This American Life is top tier. Yeah, that's right. And they know how to construct the story. So, Hedley was spending a lot of episodes... Bringing you up to speed on everything that happened in previous episodes before then jumping in because he was trying to, wasn't maybe confident that he painted the story and hadn't constructed in the way that Serial knew how to. So uh, it'd be interesting to go back and listen to these and see if they've been able to actually sort of streamline the storytelling in it. Yeah, totally.
0: And I think if you're releasing week by week, you know, there is a dependency to do that kind of thing and, and catch people up. But then how do you balance that out when it's then they're sitting there in its totality? And people can just binge the whole series. And I think I got onto it a bit late and and Lynn's my wife and I, when we were traveling around, were listening to it as we went. And it was, you know, a lot of, if you'd go back to back to back, you'd hear a lot of the same sort of recap stuff over and over again, which became a bit like, oh, let's just fast forward, fast forward, (laughs) just get through this. So yeah, I mean, you know, maybe that's something, some sort of, development that can happen in the technology later on we can have a nice little skip intro button just like they do on netflix and what have you and we can get past that if we're binging otherwise you know
1: great catch that, us back up to speed that'd be a great bit of tech mate i love that thank you you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> so look i think the takeaway from this is that these two incredible podcasts have actually achieved massive results in the real world But in both cases, it took many years to play out. That
0: audience participation and sort of coming into something with quite a few unknowns, as would be the case with an unsolved mystery or something that's behind bars, whatever you've kind of heard. You know, you're not guaranteed that you're going to have that result, that you're going to find something. So you've got to be prepared to have some, you know, hopefully maybe deep pockets to try and be able to continue this. Because I think, you know, if something's been investigated by the police or whatever they can only put so many man hours towards Mm. it you know they're still being funded they need to pay bills they need to put people onto other things so Mm. it's interesting to see you know what it takes for someone to kind of go in and commit to this and, and what they can get out of it. Yeah, and do
1: you think audiences have evolved as well in terms of their <laughs> expectation? Because I now go into a true crime podcast and go, oh, I may not actually go through the last episode because at a certain point it doesn't get solved and as soon as you work that out, which is often halfway through the final episode, it's like, I'm out and that's cool. I'm yeah. not upset about it. Just know that this at a certain point doesn't get you to a Hollywood ending because it's real life. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Now- This is a little interesting sort of sidebar, I guess. Is there going to be another teacher's pet? Is there going to be another Serial? Or are we past that? Like, is there still a place for a blockbuster investigative podcast? Now, this is something that uh, Nicholas Kroir of Vulture wrote about. It's an interesting question to unpack. I mean, it's eight years since Serial came out. And it feels like podcasts have evolved to a point of there's, there's so much out there it's just like the monoculture is gone as well I mean you look at what happened with the MASH finale is the most watched TV show ever and nothing's ever going to come near it they had 106 million people watch the finale in real time in the US the Game of Thrones finale which is probably the biggest thing that's happened in the last five years was in 2019 got 19.3 million so there is this monoculture is disappearing so people aren't consuming stuff at the same time but in podcasting I think more than almost any other space it's just streaming maybe is the only thing near it there's just so much bloody content out there yeah that's right and I think you know the ability
0: for people just to kind of fire up a couple of mics as we have and put out a show means that you know there's going to be a lot of stuff Yeah. yeah absolutely so there's going to be a lot more things that you can pick from audience and listener expectation is a lot higher as well so i think having that kind of you know a promise of a payoff or or some sort of quality masthead behind it or you know something like that a beacon that sort of shows that this thing is legitimate means that you might be a bit more willing to kind of take a bit of a chance on on longer form ones whereas you know if you're just trying to discover something else to take you on your morning commute from home to work You know, maybe you want to sort of dice it up, have something that's news, have something that's pop culture, have something that's whatever, and just kind of curate curate your own experience a bit more, and on how you're going to get around and what you want to listen to based
1: on your interests. Yeah, I think the definition of what a podcast now covers is so much broader. And so, there is just so much noise and maybe we need to start categorizing podcasting a bit more. In the article, Nicholas argues that there was no podcast that caught the zeitgeist or water cooler chat even as much as a streaming show like The Bear did this year. It's an interesting point. I mean, I think one of the things is discovery. Um, Apple and Spotify have a little bit of discovery there, but... It's not great. It's editorialized, so it's also trying to... I know that the people in the editorial at Apple and Spotify are both trying to placate all the big sort of podcast partners they've got and someone like Spotify is also going to tip the scales in their favor as well because they produce content. Mm -hmm. So, discoverability is a massive challenge for podcasting and we get plenty of really good podcasts that come to us and we go, so what's your strategy for creating an audience and they just don't have one yeah i mean it's it's a tough thing to do kind of no matter what content you're creating
0: but just interestingly when you were talking about that um the the spotify show that just came to mind quickly just off the back of of you know teachers pet do they have a second season do they do what what you know how do they work that and spotify creating content is this latest one if you listen on spotify to your podcast you will have seen this pop up come up a bunch it's for a show called maddie uh, it's case file presents Maddie to be more specific. So any true crime podcast to bring that all back, uh, aficionado would be well and truly aware of the Australian uh, production case file with this you know unknown narrator who would talk about anonymous anonymous who would talk about these uh, cold cases or or you know cases that have been solved and whatever dedicated an episode, sometimes a couple, to a particular case. And and these things were solved, and so there wasn't kind of any open-endedness there. But it was, you know, what do you do beyond that? And they have started to release, you know, other franchises under that kind of banner of, of case file. But yeah, it, in terms of discovery, I mean, it's, it's obviously the thing that's the hardest to do. And, and one of the things, you know, if you've heard us talk in the past, we often mention shows from The Ringer. The Ringer Network is over in the States, it's a pop culture sports, mm. you know, network. They have a huge array of shows, but there's kind of a common, you know, tone and everything that runs through them. And you'll have a lot of the same hosts who kind of go from show to show and, and they have their own specific shows, but then they all collaborate on certain other shows.
1: They also spin shows off existing successful feeds. So an example would be there's an NBA feed and they've had, they have four or five different shows on that a week and if one becomes successful enough like The Mismatch, they'll spin it off to become its own feed. Yeah. So they, they're very smart and that's how they began. They be, began on the back of the very successful Bill Simmons podcast and they put three shows on there and they just started spinning them off. It's something Mamma Mia does as well because Mamma Mia does do a lot of sort of branded series. It might be a single season. And then they have all these different RSS feeds which have subscribers to it because you don't unsubscribe from a podcast very often. Yeah. The podcast just goes quiet, but it's sitting there dormant, but it's still you're still following it on your podcast player. So then they just fire up a new podcast and it's let's say the last one had 10,000 subscribers. Boom, you're not starting from nothing. So that's smart things that some of these podcast networks are able to do. And it's something that shows you the value. And one reason we got into podcasting was... Once you have that person subscribing to you, there's no alg- algorithms involved. You own that relationship. So, don't have to worry about the TikTok algorithm changing, the Facebook algorithm changing. doesn't matter. Yeah, as long as you're on that kind of feed and once you've released something, you're back up the top again. Yeah. And I guess the final point that Nicholas makes, and I think this is quite valid, is, is the always-on conversational podcast, which is so cheap and easy to make and so easy to listen to, has that taken out? these sort of narrative, big narrative podcasts which you've got to construct and you've got to have this sort of three-act structure and it takes all this investigation and all this design. I mean, has that also taken it out? Because there's no budget required for a lot of these podcasts. Something like a, a Call Her Daddy or Hello Sport over here. It's just a couple of guys sit in the studio. In this case of Hello Sport, lie back in Lazy Boys, like, yeah. lie down in hoodies and just talk into the microphones which all these guys are copying like alpha blokes like... Bloody Brilliant Beers, there's this whole genre of people just doing that, this sort of as low fi as possible, dribbling into a microphone, as they would say. And these shows all have massive audiences. Production costs a bugger all. Preparation is sort of, here's the five, six things we're going to talk about, and they just yarn away. And you think about that as opposed to something that's fully constructed, like a true crime podcast, like this case file, and you think the amount of work that goes in there, and I know he's got six, eight, researchers working on anything over there anonymous stars. it's just the mathematics go we've been flooded with all these lo-fi easy to produce podcasts yeah think about it from a
0: consumer point of view i mean everyone's got pretty busy lives and as you said like deciding what you're going to listen to let alone deciding who you're going to speak to of your friends and catching up with people it could be tough right but suddenly you get to and we've said this before like eavesdrop on a friendship and just kind of like dial into this chat of some like-minded people sit back, just let them go and you just can kind of passively Mm. listen to these things
1: but then there's quite an active audience behind it. And look, on an optimistic note for these long narrative podcasts, the article ends with basically serial production and Pineapple Street the CEOs of both companies basically saying, look, these are two veteran narrative podcast companies saying, look, they believe podcasting is still quite young and that they're only starting to get good at it now and they're only going to get better at it. So, they're very confident there's massive future in this space and that's what they're staking their businesses on and those are two very successful organisations. So, hopefully, the next serial is coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. Let's wrap. A couple recommendations of things you've seen that we might listen to over the next few weeks and circle back on. Anything you got, Jules? I
0: am pretty excited. Last night, I uh, fired up YouTube, actually, but got a, um, a recommendation on the latest Finding show. So, Finding Desperado, then Finding Drago, Cameron James and... and Alexei Taliopoulos. Taliopoulos. The incredibly talented internet sleuths are back again, and this one's called Finding Jesus. So this is available on podcast, obviously, but they've also got a bit of funding and they've created a show around it as well for
1: YouTube. Well, YouTube is the biggest podcast platform in the world, so it's a great place to go. They also do a weekly podcast as well with the guy who was Todd Noy. If you've listened to the first two seasons of the Finding format, Todd Noy or the guy behind Todd Noy, is hosting a recap podcast each week, so the YouTube show is about 15, 16 minutes, and the recaps now an, an hour. So you're kidding? Yeah, I am not kidding. So check out both of them oh, for wow. sure. So in the world of meta, that's as bad as good as it gets. Totally. Found a podcast that's just come out called Death of an Artist. It's by Pushkin Industries. It's about a famous Cuban artist in the eighties from in New York called Carl Andre. It involves the death of Carl's up and coming artist wife, Anna Mendita. Now this happened over thirty-five years ago, and basically ever since it's happened, it's been shrouded in accusations about the murder and around Carl. Another true crime thing, sure. But I'm really interested to see Pushkin Industries' take on the true crime genre. Pushkin is Malcolm Gladwell's company. I consume anything he writes, anything he does in terms of a podcast. So, very interested to see what this actually looks like. So, I'm going to put some time into that. Yeah, totally. I mean, he's a very intelligent guy and he puts that intelligence
0: into everything that they do. And he's, what would you say, 100% approval rating around the world? Have you met anyone who doesn't like him?
1: One. I saw a hot Matt Bevan tweet the other day saying... You listen to something, a Malcolm Gladwell podcast, and you're 100% convinced that it's right. I'm paraphrasing here. And then you, 10 minutes later, you start going, wait, it's not right. That's all bullshit.
0: um, (laughs) Okay, well, Matt Bevan, maybe your old contrarian business partner. We'll see. I'll
1: link the tweet.
0: All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Look, we're starting a a bit of a new season. So we're trying a few new things and we'd love your feedback as much as possible. One thing that we have managed to get is our little Instagram channel. So if you search behind the podcast on instagram you might find a very basic basic (laughs) feed at the moment but look we will endeavor to put more on there we will use that as a a way for you guys to contact us also if you want to hit us up on the email feel free to do so the email stocks is behind the podcast at dm.org.au fantastic so anything you want us to talk about anything you've seen out there that you think's interesting feel free to flick it our way and we'll take a look as well cheers goodbye